All right. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing good today. I said that, and you're like, yep. We love living in Seattle. It's awesome. (laughs) Anybody sick of the rain just a little bit? But the Lord knows what we need, right? Last week, we celebrated Mother's Day. Hope everybody had a good Mother's Day. Hope all the ladies had a good day. Uh, Cody spoke. My wife spoke. She did did a pretty good job. Pretty good job. I had, I don't know, probably hundreds of people come and tell me after the service that they think she should speak more often. So I wasn't sure how to receive that. But but the problem is she can do my job, (laughs) but me doing her job? Is it's not the same because when I when I have all four of the kids just by myself for long periods of time, I, I, you should be concerned for them and for their health. But you should also be concerned for me and my salvation. And so, Cody is not going to speak more because I think it's best for your pastor to be a Christian. And so we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna try to keep it in the same kind of rhythm that we're in. This week, we're kicking off a new series entitled Parables, uh, and we're going to be taking a closer look at a lot of the teachings and words of Jesus. It says in Colossians 3.16, remember what Christ taught and let his words enrich, that word means change, your lives and make you wise. So our aim in this series is going to be that you would know Jesus and let his words truly change who you are. Jesus captivated audience, and one of the ways that he did that was through this method of teaching, through parables, these stories. Actually, one-third of all Jesus' teachings came in the form of a parable. There's these simple stories that have deeper, powerful kingdom truths that apply to all of us even now. And, and, uh, and my prayer for you is that, that these parables, although you have heard Some of them, if you've been raised in church, you've heard them hundreds of times, but that these parables would still have fresh revelation for you, that you would see the wisdom, the spiritual application and change that could happen in your life. So today we're going to be looking at the lost sheep and the lost coin. Have any of you ever lost something uh, that meant a lot to you and you kind of freaked out about it and so you just, I don't know about you, when I lose something, The world stops until I find what I'm looking for. I don't know if that's the same way for you, but I will turn the house upside down, inside out. My kids will not get to play. They will not sleep or eat. Everyone will be helping find whatever it is that I'm missing. But if you've ever lost something that was really important to you and you found it, remember the joy and the satisfaction and the peace that returned to your soul when you found that, when you found it. So maybe you lost Some keys. Anybody ever lost their keys before? All right. Anybody ever lost a wedding ring? Anybody ever lost a wedding ring before? Okay. Anybody ever lost a purse, wallet, anything like that? All right. Anybody ever lost their phone? Yeah. Anybody ever lost your phone while you were on your phone? Is that just me? (laughs) That's, That's a bummer. Ever lost a kid? Anybody ever lost a kid before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough day when that happens. 
And some of you are here saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would lose a kid. Well, here's the deal. If you have never lost a kid, that is for one reason. You don't have any kids. <laughs> because, because it doesn't matter how keen of an eye you try to keep on your kids. They're like little ninjas. And they just, you, you will wind up. If, when you have a kid, I promise you at one point or another, you will lose that child. It just happens, Okay. All of us have probably been through that at one point or another as a parent. But here's the deal. When you find what's important, it changes everything. And, and all of us have lost something. And when you, when you, look, when we've had kids wander off and we didn't know where they were, tell you what, when you find them, it reminds you how much you love them. It reminds you, like, in spite of how big of a turd they had been, up to that point, it reminds you the value that they have. So Jesus is going to use two parables today to talk about this value that he has for people, for people that are lost. The first story we're going to look at is the lost sheep. Your text is in Luke 15, starting in verse 1. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully Carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So some context. The Roman Empire has invaded Israel. They've set up shop. And in order to pay for this, they've recruited Israelites, they've recruited Jewish people to collect taxes. Okay, so they have people in Israel, Israelites, that are now collecting taxes from other Hebrews, from other Israelites. Okay, so that's the context. So this is what it would be like. Let's just say that Canada invaded the United States. And I'm going to use something that would never happen, and so you won't get too scared. But all of a sudden, all the Canadians decided to gather up all their hockey sticks, and they decided that they were going to invade us. And they caught us off guard, and they actually were able to come in. And next thing you know, everybody's saying, hey, and things like that. And there's a lot of scary French dudes walking around speaking French, okay? And in order to pay for this imposition, they come and recruit people from our own church, to start taxing everyone, to, to squeeze as much money out of the rest of us as they possibly could to pay for this imposition, okay? So you would be really frustrated and disappointed that the very people who claim to worship the same God as you are now ripping God's people off. And that's who the tax collectors were. And because that's who they were, they were rejected by the rest of Jewish culture. They were not allowed to testify in court because they were considered incredibly dishonest. 
And when they would go to the synagogue, which was the old covenant version of the church, they couldn't even bring their tithes. They couldn't bring their offerings. Now, you know you got to be a really bad person when the church won't let you give to them. Like, you know that you're pretty messed up. And by the way, none of you are that bad. Like, none of you are that bad. None of you. And so this is who the tax collectors was. And Jesus was having meals with these people. And so the religious people came along and they said, what in the world, Jesus, you say that you're God, but look at your friends. Now Jesus never sins. Jesus never condones their sin, but he's trying to save them. The truth is this. If Jesus never ate with sinners, he would be on a permanent fast because there wasn't one person that wasn't a sinner. But they were picking who the sinners were. So Jesus illustrates his heart to reach the sinners by telling a story. He starts with the story of a lost sheep. So this sheep herder has a flock, and you can think of it in terms of like a small business. Okay, so like let's just say a flock of 100 sheep would, would represent like a car dealer with 100 cars on his lot. And if you are a car dealer, you see, it's not like you're super, super wealthy or affluent. You're just kind of, you know, middle income. You're doing all right. But if you are a car dealer and you had 100 cars and you, one of those cars just went missing, like that's going to be a big deal because this is your income. This is your livelihood. And so you would do everything you could to try to track that car down, to try to find that car. Now, usually you would probably just hire someone else to go and seek out the sheep or the car, if you will. But not in this case. In this case, the sheep herder, the shepherd, he pays somebody to stay with the rest of the sheep and he goes himself to seek out this sheep. And he walks miles through really difficult terrain and searches high and low. I've been to Israel. I don't know if you've been to Israel, but you may just like picture like rolling hills of green grass, but it is some difficult and steep terrain. There's caves everywhere. So this is not an easy task, but this shepherd loves this sheep so much, he's willing to do anything and go anywhere hoping to find that sheep. So there's a few key principles in this parable we have to get. First of all, we've all been a lost sheep. We've all been a lost sheep. Okay, so who is Jesus or God in the parable? Who is he? Three people are tracking with me. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> who is Jesus in the parable? Thank you. Oh, I feel so much better. I appreciate you helping out. So who are we in the story? Okay, that's not a compliment. Because sheep are dirty and nasty. They're dumb. You can't, like, teach a sheep to fetch or do any other kinds of tricks. Like, they're just kind of these helpless, dumb. They can't defend themselves. Like, hey, nobody is afraid of a sheep, Right? I mean, think about like when a lot of us when we were younger and we were having a hard time going to sleep. Traditionally speaking, our parents would be like, hmm, if they counted, they could get bored in counting 
and then they'd eventually fall asleep. What should we have them count? What is the most, the least frightening creature that has ever lived on the planet? Sheep. You should count sheep because there's just this soothing, calming feeling to counting stupid, dumb animals. And so sheep, no one's scared of them. They have no fangs. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have, they're just, they just, bah, and it's over. That's it. That's all they got. They're not scary. Like if a pack of wolves, if you turn on the news and you found out there's a pack of wolves that are loose and on the run around your neighborhood, you wouldn't even leave the house. But if the news came on and said, there's a flock of sheep, you're like, cool, load up the kids. Let's go pet the sheep. Because there's nothing frightening about a sheep. Sheep tend to wonder. They tend to stray. They're easily distracted. They tend to get in trouble. They can never find their own way home. If a sheep strays away from the flock and the shepherd, look, they're in big trouble. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone in the Greek, that means everyone to his own way. All of us. And so we get a little lazy sometimes and complacent and then foolish. And we wander off and we're in real trouble. And we can't find our own way home. And we don't know where our shepherd is. And then we're in danger and we're terrified and we're alone. We all need a shepherd. We all need a shepherd. And Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. It says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheep fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. So our God comes down looking for us. And here's the truth. We're lost. God's not lost. God didn't walk away from us. We walked away from God. We're responsible. And he's the savior. He's the good shepherd. And some of you might say, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty smart. I'm smart for a sheep. And some of you might say, no, I'm, 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 I think I'm okay. I'm pretty tough. Tough for a sheep? Like a, that's, that's like saying, yeah, I'm pretty tough for an interpretive dancer going into an MMA fight. Like that, that's just not tough for a sheep. Because we're not tough. The truth is we're not that smart. We're not good. We need a good shepherd. And Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, meaning God became a man and he took on this lowly, humble job. Jesus wasn't rich. He was poor. He didn't have a mansion. He was, he was homeless. He didn't have an easy life. He had conflict all the time. You go to Israel, there's still sheep herders there. There's still shepherds. And every once in a while, you'll just be out in the middle of nowhere and you'll see this 
a little flock of sheep and a shepherd. But those shepherds, they're weird. They're a little awkward. They're not around people. They're around sheep. They don't bathe much. They're not the popular people. But they love their sheep. They take care of their sheep. It shows the humility of Jesus to even identify himself with this job that's not highly esteemed in the culture of his day. The willingness to say, yeah, this is who I am. And as soon as he finds the sheep, he picks the sheep up, he puts the sheep on his shoulders. The sheep, man, they can be heavy, especially if they haven't been trimmed. I mean, they could be over 100 pounds easily. And it says he joyfully, joyfully hikes the miles and hills and valleys and canyons back to return that sheep. Look, I have carried a sheep like this before, and joy is not the way that I would describe it. They, they stink. They're full of dust. You just, when you're carrying them, you just get grime all over you. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus literally puts us on his back because he carried a cross. And salvation is Jesus literally bearing us in our sin on his back. He does all the work to bring us back. We all need a flock too. We need a flock. Every sheep needs a good flock. And you need, you need a church with God's people. We're not going to make it alone. We weren't created to live alone. We were built for community. But we tend to wander off and stray and get into danger like lost sheep. But this is where the flock helps us. You need the support of the people around you. You need to stay with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stay connected. Stick in relationships with people. But here's my question for you. If you're really, really honest, how are you doing with this? How connected are you to the body of Christ? I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about biblical community. Because biblical community is Daily. It's a daily celebration. It's a daily encouragement. It's also a daily challenge for growth. To grow in your relationship with God. How are you doing with this? Do you know your shepherd and are you a part of the flock? Look, summertime is a season when we see a lot of people tend to wonder. There's a lot of things that, that are, it could be good things, but they become distractions when they pull you away from biblical community. When they pull you away from the flock and when they affect your ability to connect with the shepherd. And so we would exhort you, stay connected. Make it your priority this summer. 
you can still enjoy all the things that summer have to offer, but don't let that enjoyment come at the cost of you being separated and vulnerable and weak and in danger because you're away from the body of Christ, because you're disconnected from the shepherd. So what do we have? We got life groups. Our summer launch for life groups is coming up June 2nd. We've got a ton of other events coming up. In fact, where's that? Do you guys have that slide up there? It's in the announcement slides. Go ahead and put it up. We'll, we'll cover these at the end again, but I want you to put it up. Can you find it? Work on it. As soon as you find it, put it up. There it is. This is what summer looks like for us. These are some opportunities. Summer, summer life group launch. VBS is another great way to get plugged in and be a part of the, of the fold of the flock. Father's Day baptism, that's another great place for you to say, this is where I belong. This is the flock that I belong to. This is who I believe in to celebrate. We got Serve Day coming up where we're gonna go into our community. That's a great way that we're gonna try to bring other people into flocks. Uh, Kid Life Summer Camp. So these are some of the stuff that's coming up. But you need a community. We have our serve groups, our serve teams. Quick story on that. If you've been coming to our church over any amount of time whatsoever, whether you know him by name or not, everyone here knows Mr. Bill. Because, because, because he will not let you come into this church without personally greeting you, okay? And giving you a hug or a high five. Well, last week, his wife, Geneva, who we love just as much. She's not quite as aggressive with her welcoming techniques. But last week, she woke up unresponsive and had to be rushed to the, to the hospital. And it was looking shady. She was in ICU. We just started praying. We just started praying. And she's improving. Yesterday morning, she woke up and picked right back up where she left off, being chatty and picking on Mr. Bill and telling him he needs to get his act together. But here's what I want to tell you about. Mr. Bill is telling me this morning, what is it, Bill? Okay. Again, Mr. Bill's wife is in the hospital and he's here greeting you. <laughs> but Mr. Bill is telling me that because of how many of their flock showed up to support them, to pray for them, to love them, to encourage them. He said the nurses have never, they said they'd never seen that many people come and show that kind of love and care and concern. Because of that, there's been at least one person get saved, another family. Come on. This is, this is what the body of Christ looks like. And you need it. You may think you're tough for a sheep. You may think you're smart enough to do this on your own. Smart for a sheep. You need a flock. You need a flock. After the sheep, the lost sheep, Jesus goes on to tell another story. In Luke 15, verse 8, it says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angel when even one sinner repents. Okay, so this may seem redundant because it has a similar theme, but there is a major shift that just happened in this particular story. Because now there is a woman looking for this lost coin. And when a feminine version is used, especially in the New Testament, and especially by Jesus, it's often to personify the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. So the shift now is his commission for us to look. For us to look. Jesus went and found you. You didn't find yourself, he found you. But now that you've been found, he wants to use you. You cannot separate being saved from being sent. They come together. And he's asking us now, will you search? Will you look? In 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trans- trespasses against them and entrusting to us. Everybody say me. me. The message of reconciliation. So God uses us to gather the lost. How do we gather? First of all, the scripture says, light a lamp. For us, this means you gotta go into the dark. You gotta go in the dark. See, houses at that point, they didn't have windows. They had a door, they didn't have windows, so it was dark in there. But, but lamp oil was expensive. But this woman was so desperate to find her coin, she didn't matter the cost. She was going to get that place lit so she could find it. But it meant that she had to be willing to count the cost to go into the dark. Matthew 5, 14 says this, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Not religious rhetoric. Not beating somebody up with a scripture meme. But let your hearts and the love of Jesus in you be seen through good deeds. By the way you love people so that everyone will praise. Who? Not our church. Not a ministry in our church. But will praise Jesus. If you're a believer, this is your mission. It's called the Great Commission. So how do we do this practically? Well, locally, we have Adopt-A-Block. They just went out yesterday. Look, they are living on a community There's so much brokenness, and they just go in there. They don't ask for anything in return, but they just go there, and they love on people and remind them that they're not forgotten, that they're valuable. We go into nursing homes, our foster care ministry, 
the Mays are just tearing it up with that. They're building teams. And we're going to change some stats in this county and in this state. In Jesus' name. But we also have some new vision that is coming. There are some big corporations, and you would recognize them if I mentioned them, that every year donate hundreds of thousands of goods. And they're donating them to churches. And we're going to have a warehouse that we can fill with items. It, it, sometimes we won't know what's coming in these trucks. But by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to use everything that is donated to help people, to help our city and community. We're going to help people that are in foster care. We're going to help people that are down and out. You know, so many of the stats around foster care, so many of these kids that are being placed in foster care, the reason why they're being taken away from their parents, it's not always because of drugs or abuse. Sometimes it's because they don't have a bed. That is ridiculous. I think we can fix that. But I want us to listen to Drew. And he's been the director over our, our Dream Center for the state for a while, and he's going to give us a little bit of vision on this. Hey guys, I'm Drew Davis, and for the last 10 years, I've had the opportunity to lead the Arkansas Dream Center. What started out with just me going out with my truck has led to tens of thousands of people reaching out to their community, reaching out to their neighbors, asking that one question, what can we do to help you? So over the last 10 years, a lot of great things have happened. We went from feeding just a few hundred meals a summer to over 150,000 meals. This last year, we crossed one million meals fed to those less fortunate here in Arkansas. For all these years, we've had just one real vision. We wanna see every Arkansan chasing their God-given dream. We have been so encouraged to see how all of you have gotten involved. It's so exciting to see when the light bulb goes off because someone like you who's sitting there thinking, I have nothing to offer, figures it out. And you start serving and you start to see the lives change. What starts to happen when we dream bigger? What happens when we start to use the churches that already exist? When we have a hub here in Little Rock that's providing resources to all these churches across Central Arkansas, providing them the things they need so that they can reach their neighborhoods. We're excited about CityServe because it's gonna give you the opportunity to reach out in a new way, to reach out to the hurting and the hopeless of Arkansas and to inspire them to get in and live life with them. Our bigger vision is neighborhood to the nations. We wanna see people go out from their community, go live life with others, have relationship, change this world. Amen, how many of you guys are excited about what's gonna happen through City Serve? Well, you guys stay tuned. We're going to start rolling that out in the fall. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing a lot of the things that we've been doing. But now we're going to be resourced like we've never been resourced before. And it's going to help us reach our city and community. I'd also encourage you to pray about international missions. Some of us, we've got to be taken way, 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 way out of our comfort zone for God to get our attention. And that's how it was for me. The first time I really got broke for the loss was 20 years ago, almost my first overseas missions trip to Nepal. And I, I held a little Nepalese boy as he fell asleep. 
this poor little Nepalese boy. And as he sat on my lap and, and slept, God revealed to me, somebody's got to go to him. Somebody's got to care enough. It was not easy to get to him. But somebody's got to be willing. And, but you know what? Somebody's got to be willing to walk next door to their neighbor. Somebody's got to be willing to walk a few cubicles over to the person they work with. The value is the same. It also says that she swept the entire house. Sweep the entire house, which means you got to get your hands dirty. You got to get your hands dirty. Look, the houses back then had dirt floors. You ever swept a dirt floor? Well, I'm just telling you, it stirs up a bunch of dust and grime. I'm sure she was covered in this. I'm sure she was covered in dirt. We have to be willing to get into the dirt of people's lives. We have to be willing to get into the mess. A few days ago, we were at one of the kids' school, and as we were leaving, we passed by the lost and found. It was several tables mounded with clothes, jackets, all this stuff. We're just looking at this, and we're just thinking, oh, my goodness. Think about how much money how much investment is just sitting there in these piles? And I'm just guessing that at one point or another, just going to say, well, I don't know. They'll either haul it off. Maybe they'll donate to somebody. Maybe they'll just throw it away. But I'm wondering, why is the pile getting so big? Well, somebody's not willing to go and look through it, which I understand that it's middle schoolers. So they're right in that phase where they haven't quite figured out that they have body odor and they need deodorant, but they're not sure yet. They don't know how to bathe themselves appropriately. I'm just speaking for my middle schoolers, I guess. And so, yeah, I would understand. Maybe it feels a little dirty, a little gross, but the value is the same. Just because they're displaced clothes doesn't mean their value is less. And just because a person is displaced from the body of Christ doesn't mean that their value is less. It's the same. Your value and some broken, dirty person's value is equal in the eyes of God. Because he traded his son for both of you. That's the value. You got to be willing to get your hands dirty. The second part of verse 9 says, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Look, a lost coin can't find itself. A lost coin doesn't return itself back to the purse. Like the coin doesn't show up with the other coins and be like, Hey man, where you been? I was lost, but I put myself back in this purse. They'd be like, no, you didn't. You can't even flip yourself over. We're going to have to go find them. We're going to have to go find them. Return them. A lost coin is still claimed even though it's lost. Because she says, I have found my lost coin. 
Just because someone is lost doesn't mean that they know that they're lost. They don't know that. We also need to search carefully. The King James Version says, seek diligently. We need diligence. We need to seek them out. And we need to not give up. A while back we were playing, we love to play hide and seek. We have family night every Friday night, and so sometimes we play hide and seek. We turn all the lights off in the house. Everybody's got a little, little light, a little flashlight, and we play hide and seek. And it is amazing, like, the creativity that comes into this, like the places our kids find to hide. It's amazing. But one time we were playing, and we found everybody, and it was like the last round, but we could not find Reeves anywhere. Like, we were looking, and, and we'd even call out, like, Reeves, we're done. It's over. He would not come out. Like, he's determined, like, he, I'm sure he just found, like, the best hiding spot ever. And he, in his competitive mind, he's like, no, this is amazing. He wanted us to find him, but we could not find him. So what did we do? Well, naturally, we gave up. And we just put in a movie and started watching a movie with the rest of our family. <laughs> A few minutes into the, video, into the movie, Reeves comes in. He's like, hey! <laughs> like, really upset. We're like, oh, sorry, buddy. We just got tired. And we went this, it's getting late. We wanted to watch the movie. So please don't act that way towards the world. Please don't give up. I don't know if you've asked your neighbor to come to church. But if you have and they haven't come, is that all you have? Is that the extent of your effort to demonstrate their value? Is that all you have? Is that all we've, we've got to have more than that. This diligence, looking, seeking, Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. So this is a process. We walk with people in this process. And just because someone is found doesn't mean that they know what to do next. So we help them. We have to disciple. We have to help them walk out their faith. And being diligent. Luke 15, verse 10 says, In the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. When even one sinner repents. And verse 7 says this, In the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over 99 others who are quote-unquote righteous. And have him straight away. You have to know. God is happy to love. God is happy to save. God is happy to pursue. God is happy to seek out. God is happy to carry you back. God is happy to forgive. And that's what it says here. The word gospel literally means good news. And it is good news. But you see, what can happen is we can slip into this religious mindset 
And what would a religious person do? Well, religion would come up to lost sheep and say, man, you are dirty. And you stink. And you're lost. And you're beat up, bruised. And the sheep would say, yeah, I know. That's not good news. Well, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to get yourself cleaned up. You need to, you need to work harder. Do better. Get yourself somewhere. That's what you need to do. And the sheep's like, I clean myself up. Have you noticed? Like, I have hooves. I'm lost. I don't know where to go. I don't even know where I belong. We'd say, well, you need to find your way back to God. You need to walk there. Walk where? That's not good news. And that doesn't help the sheep at all. We need to go into the dark. Get our hands dirty. And not give up. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Some of you, you've strayed so far off. And you've strayed for years. You've walked away from God and his people. Some of you, it's kind of a new thing for you. You've just walked a few steps from the shepherd. You've walked a few steps away from the flock. And I think the ones that have wandered a long ways off, the ones that have wandered far away, man, they would, they would beg you not to leave. They would encourage you and exhort you, turn to the shepherd, get back in the flock. And the truth is, whether you've been wandering your whole life or you've been in a season of wandering, I promise you that the shepherd is here. And I wanna let you know that the flock is here too. And we love you. And if you are ready, then stop running. Stop straying. Simply stop. Let Jesus pick you up. He's ready. He does it joyfully. He does it because he loves you. He's willing to carry you. And if you're here today and you're just ready to stop wandering away from Jesus, Or maybe you've just wandered for a season, but you know it's time to return. If you're in that place, I just want to pray with you. Because here's the deal. You just have to be willing. This is a confession of your heart to just say, yeah, you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to be able to save myself. Because I'm not tough enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm definitely not godly enough. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I need a savior.
And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I'm, I'm right there and I need a good shepherd. Nobody looking around, that's you. Put your hand up right now across this room. If that's you, as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Thank you guys, got it, thank you guys, thank you. Thank you guys, got it, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Just willing to admit, that's me, got it, yeah. Got you guys back here, thank you guys. And if you're a part of the flock, if you're a Christian, you better be praying hard right now in your heart that these, these people that are, they belong, that they would find their way back. Anyone else? Thank you, man. I'm away from him. I'm lost. I need a good shepherd. I need Jesus. Anyone else? Okay. Every person that just raised their hand, I just want us to say this prayer, and I want every person in this room, let's repeat this prayer together. If you don't mind, I want you to do it with some confidence, some boldness. Somebody around you needs to be able to say this. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for coming and humbling yourself to pay the price for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent. I repent. I stop and I turn away from doing what I've been doing and I turn to you. Pick me up. Save me. Return me. And I want to live out my purpose as a part of the body of Christ. I thank you, you don't just save me. You send me. Help me see where I'm sent. To who I'm sent to. Thank you for valuing me so that I can value others. Father God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time. It might've been the first time in a long time. I don't know. But that scripture says that there is more celebration in your presence happening right now <laughs> than if we would have just showed up today and didn't care. So we worship you with our obedience and seeing the value of souls. Help us to be faithful with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise in this place for all those folks. We welcome you. We love you. We care about you.